RadioInfluence.com Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Yeah, we have flipped the calendar over. We're now into the month of December. It is in the books, the college football regular season and championship Saturday. And now we know the four teams that are in the college football playoff, and it is about to get really good in the NFL with the stretch run of the final four games of the regular season with playoff spots to be decided and head towards the NFL postseason. You are part of the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football in the NFL. It is Three Dog Thursday. I'm T.J. Reeves. I cannot do this show alone. In fact, we enlist the help every week of senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com. Here he is again, Mr. Kevin Rogers. Good to have you back with me here as we get ready now uh, for a lot of fun, uh, especially as it relates to the NFL. We're going to primarily talk NFL with the underdogs, not a lot of college games for this weekend, but good to have you. How are you feeling? Good, good. You know, obviously now we're transitioning into the bowl games. We have Army-Navy on Saturday, but uh, now we're, we're pretty much concentrating on the NFL for the next few weeks, and you have a lot of great matchups this weekend, a lot of the top teams in the NFC hooking up, so we'll see if there's any movement at the top of the NFC, pretty much we're waiting for that Patriots-Steelers game to happen in the AFC next week. But uh, at least the NFC, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, there's no doubt. And there are some teams that can begin to lock up playoff spots this weekend. So a lot of NFL talk and predictions coming in our second segment. Speaking of the NFL, our special guest uh, joining us this week is Shannon Spake of Fox Sports. I uh, love her insight, and Shannon uh, does a great job not only on uh, Fox's coverage of the NFL. You see her on the NASCAR coverage on the Race Hub, the daily NASCAR show that's on Fox Sports 1, also as part of their college basketball. You may have seen her as well on ESPN's coverage of college football and uh, in college basketball previously. Shannon working the NFL and is on the broadcast team with Dick Stockton and Mark Schlereth. They are uh, at the Houston Texans and the San Francisco 49ers game for this week. Uh, I was with her, Kevin, for the Atlanta Falcons victory over my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and she's got some great insight and a great story about Julio Jones uh, to talk to us about later on in the show. So she's going to have some NFL conversation later on in the program. We'll have lots of NFL conversation uh, in a bit. Let's begin with college football and off the championship weekend. Most everything held to the form we thought it would in that Clemson beat Miami. They were favored. They end up in the college football playoff as the ACC champs. Uh, Oklahoma defeats TCU to win the Big 12 championship. They are in. And then it got interesting with the championship games because Georgia pulled the upset of Auburn. I had them for Three Dog Thursday purposes. I really liked Kirby Smart's dogs in that atmosphere at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, Auburn uh, had come off the emotional Iron Bowl. I really thought Georgia could catch them. They did. And then Ohio State ended the Wisconsin unbeaten run at at uh, 12-0. and Couldn't get to 13-0 and with a championship game win. Ohio State winning that game in Indianapolis. So give me an overall thought on how the college uh, championship game weekend shook out here. Give me a thought or two if you if you would like. Uh, what do you think? Well, I'm not really shocked about Georgia beating Auburn. I figured that 
Georgia would rebound. And I told you last week that Georgia, it felt like they had such a long time to prepare for this game, not necessarily the opponent, but knowing they're in this game where Auburn is coming off the Iron Bowl against Alabama. And I don't know if they're mentally drained or them just being Georgia once already and Georgia was ready for them. But uh, not too shocked there. Obviously, Clemson outclassed Miami. Oklahoma outclassed TCU. And really, we, we all thought that Ohio State was a better team than Wisconsin, the Big Ten. And uh, so really no shockers as far as any of them go. And now you have four pretty good teams that will be in the Final Four. Well, and I know there was a big argument and a big discussion about Ohio State being left out of the playoff with the two losses, Alabama not even playing in the SEC title game being put in. You know, I've got thoughts on that, but I'd love to have your reaction. The tie does make it in. They get another matchup with Clemson three years in a row in the college football playoff for Alabama and Clemson. What is your thought on Tide making it at the expense of the Big Ten champ with two losses, Ohio State not making it in the playoff? I don't have a problem with it. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that ESPN wanted another Clemson-Alabama rematch, even though it's not the national championship, but it's still in the playoff. Uh, is something they wanted. But also with Alabama, they were the number one team all year. They were undefeated going to the final game, and they ended up losing on the road to, uh, Alabama, or to uh, Auburn. And, you know, this whole conference championship argument, I-, I don't love it. I really don't. Ohio State did win their conference, but when you give 55 points in a game during the season, you're not one of the four best teams in the country. I think it's as simple as that. And especially giving up 55 points to a team like Iowa. You know, if they gave it up to Penn State or to Michigan State or Oklahoma or someone like that, that you said, wow, this is an upper level team. We had a bad night, but you're laying 21 on the road, I think it was. You're giving up 55 points. You're still a good team, but you're not one of the four best teams in the country. And I just think that we're putting too much weight in this conference championship, you know, uh, idea. Like, let's put FAU in there because they won their conference. Let's put UCF in because they won their conference. I mean, we, it, it can't really, in this situation, when Alabama was one win away from finishing undefeated, that's got to mean something. It's not a problem that I, I really don't. Yep. And, and the committee was very firm and has been now, really, for the last two or three years that if everything is equal, then a conference championship game can matter. But in this case, the two losses, as you point out, and the fact that Ohio State lost to a five-loss Iowa team, a team that lost five games in the Big Ten besides beating Ohio State, uh, that's tough to sell. And it's the same argument that got Ohio State in a year ago because their resume was so much stronger, including a win at Oklahoma and only having the one loss. That got them in. It's the same argument that got Alabama in. Uh, on this goal round and what a wild game UCF and Memphis the double overtime game where UCF finishes as the only uh, division one the only FBS unbeaten team at the end of all of this with a dramatic 62 to 55 win over my alma mater Memphis and Scott Frost coaches the game and less than 24 hours later he's sitting on a podium in Lincoln Nebraska as the Nebraska coach and is gone so that's kind of the reality if you're not in a power five conference in that one but uh, kudos to UCF and what was a while. I mean, they're a dangerous team. And part of me, part of me want, would have wanted to see them in the playoff. I understand the argument, not as tough a schedule as the four teams that got in, but they have such an explosive offense, a fun offense with McKenzie Milton at quarterback, uh, and weapons at the skill positions. Might have been fun to see UCF get a chance. They're not going to get a chance. Speaking of the coaching carousel, everything, 
uh, still spinning. We're talking midweek on Three Dog Thursday. Things are starting to sort out. Willie Taggart leaves Oregon, gets the Florida State job. At the time, we're talking Chad Morris being named uh, the new Arkansas coach, the SMU coach, leaves and gets the Arkansas job. Uh, we see some of these different jobs sorting out here. You have a couple of thoughts on the coaching carousel uh, here, uh, Kevin. Go ahead. Well, going back to Scott Frost for one second, I normally say once you take another job, just go, you know, go take your other job and leave. I don't have a problem with him finishing off the UCF thing and trying to go undefeated. I really don't, considering they were a winless team two years ago, got them undefeated. And the reality was he was A, going to get a better job, and B, he goes to his alma mater that you can't dispute that if you're UCF. I mean, UCF, unfortunately, is a stepping stone job. No one is is staying there forever. You're just not. So what he did that, you know, that's great that he built up UCF again, but you want to go to Nebraska? Great. You know, best of luck to you. And you look at the other ones, you know, I think the circumstances kind of stays with Willie Taggart that he left USF to go to Oregon for a year, not knowing Jimbo Fisher was going to leave Florida State. I'm sure he wanted to be at Oregon for a long time, but this was his dream job. And if he doesn't want to be there, then you can't be upset if you're an Oregon fan. It's as simple as that. Now, you know, if you want to tie in the same thing to Jimbo Fisher, leaving Florida State for Texas A&M, I don't think Texas A&M was his dream job. It was the 75 millions getting thrown at you, so I'm going to leave job. I mean, you're not even the top program in your own state. So, and again, if he wanted to go there, nobody's going to pass up that money. I don't blame him for that. But A, don't treat us like we're idiots thinking we don't know you're going after it. And B, I saw, and again, we don't know all the facts, but I saw DeAndre Francois put on Twitter, no goodbye, no nothing. At least talk to your team and tell them what's going on. I mean, these guys will respect you more if you just tell them what the deal is. And I'm sure that's what Scott Frost probably did at UCF where they're like, okay, we understand. We got it because, right. you know, because you leave doesn't make you a, a sellout or whatever term you want to use or bailing on us. You just tell us the truth. These guys will be fine with it. And I don't think Jimbo did. And Jimbo's ripping the administration and the facilities. And somebody pointed out that the facilities all got upgraded when Jimbo was there. So yes, I don't know did. what he's talking about. I felt like there were some sour grapes there with the administration. There was the, something can up. I interject? Here's the reality. I know yeah, you, sure. you you went to Florida State. Here's the reality. He was he was being paid uh, handsomely, top top five, top six for the last three or four years. He got a brand new contract last December. Got big salary increases not only for himself but for his assistant coaches. They put eighty. This sounds like I went to Florida State, Kevin. They put eighty million dollars into renovating Doak Campbell Stadium with their Champions Club, the FSU Hall of Fame, all the stuff that they did to the locker rooms, renovating that stadium. Uh, it, it, it included uh, a bunch of different perks. Uh, they they have commitment to a new football only facility that includes a football only dorm, a football only dining room, the indoor practice facility already got built for him. I mean, it's not as if they weren't pouring money in to what he wanted. I'm with you. You want to leave? You want to go to Texas A&M? That's fine. But don't act like this is because Florida State wasn't making a commitment to you. For God's sake, you held them up for money last December when LSU was trying to hire you. And you had another point, too, about people doubting Willie Taggart coming from Oregon and his coaching record as it relates to Jimbo Fisher. Yes, and Willie Taggart was at Western Kentucky. 
to start off, won two games out of the gate. Then I think it won eight and then eight, and then let's go to USF. Won two or three games the first year because they weren't very good. USF was good about, what was that, 06, 05, 06, 07, somewhere in there, when they were number two in the country under Jim Levitt, and then they took a nosedive, and then Willie Taggart had to build them back up. And USF, similarly to UCF, is not really you know, a landing spot. It's just kind of a job you take, you build yourself up, and you go somewhere else. And at USF, he did what he had to do. Oregon came calling. You don't pass up Oregon. Now, granted, it's on the other side of the country, but you have Nike and Phil Knight and all that stuff. You go there, and it just turned out to be the timing of it that he wants to come to Florida State. He grew up in the Tampa area, and he played football. There was always a Florida State fan growing up. This thing opens up. Not saying that he didn't like Oregon. It's just this is a preference probably going to Florida State. You can't pass it up. And you know what? For Oregon, you know, they weren't what they were seven, five team this past year. They'll find someone else. We'll find another good candidate and it'll be okay. I mean, you think about it. Who are you more upset if you're an Oregon fan? Are you more upset at Willie Taggart for one year or Chip Kelly for what he did? And he left you. And after going to the NFL loss, now he's still in the conference, another team. So (laughs) be more upset with the guy who was there for a long time and left as opposed to the guy who was there for one year and left. Well, and Rob Mullins is the athletic director, and he's scrambling now. Mullins didn't have a big enough buyout to stand in Taggart's way and uh, couldn't work that out. And I know what you were saying, too, is for those that are doubting Taggart on whether he's going to succeed at Florida State, you had no track record for Jimbo Fisher as a head coach when he got the job as a coach in waiting, and it worked out pretty well. Who knows if Taggart succeeds or succeeds big time or not? But he can definitely recruit. So it'll be fascinating. And in terms of talent, Florida State ought to be very excited, and their fans ought to be very excited about players they're trying to get uh, to be brought in there. All right, so there's the, the coaching carousel. One more point on this on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, in terms of those two playoff games, I found it interesting when they opened the lines for Clemson and Alabama. Alabama opened as, as something like about a one or one and a half point favorite uh, on the Vegas Insider line, and Georgia, Oklahoma, and the Rose Bowl, a pick 'em game, and they've kind of held that way into midweek. And look, we know we've got another month uh, before the games are being played and the line could move. But w- what is your thought on that? I mean, obviously, Vegas thinks these are two very evenly matched games. I mean, I think we've seen with the way the season has gone that you don't have a dominating team. I mean, even going back to our discussion earlier, when you look at Clemson, Clemson lost, which criticized Ohio State for losing to Iowa. Clemson lost to a worse team than Ohio State, and losing to Syracuse, who didn't win a game the rest of the year after Syracuse beat them at the Carrier Dome uh, earlier in the season. So Clemson is playing its best football right now, but still has one bad loss as a three-touchdown favorite. Uh, when you look at Georgia, you know Georgia was pretty good all season long. And they had that one loss to Auburn, who's a pretty good team, but they got blown out in that game. And then you look at Oklahoma, was a 31-point favorite against an upstart Iowa State team that we didn't expect much from, that pulled off some nice upsets. So when you look at it, I mean, even if you would have thrown Ohio State in this mix, and they're what? What's what's Ohio State number five out of of these teams? Three of them lost as a three-touchdown favorite, if if you look back at it this season. So... In reality, three of the five teams ended up losing games they had no business losing. So really, it just goes to show you that a lot of these teams are pretty even. Georgia's the only one, I guess maybe Alabama, that have like legitimate losses. That lost games, you say, okay, I'm not surprised Georgia lost to Auburn. I'm not surprised Alabama lost to Auburn, but Clemson losing to Syracuse is bad. And 
Oklahoma losing to Iowa State is bad. At but home. that's why I guess oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes. And they were up I think double digits to that game too and ended up losing. So you have a lot of these teams that I don't say are pretty similar, but they're not too far off. So really the lines reflect that. That we're not seeing like last year Alabama's a twelve point favorite against Washington. We're not seeing that. Washington was a great team last year and look how big of a dog they were. This year, some of these teams, they have good wins, but also they have some questionable losses. Good points. And and keep in mind, too, if you're going to lose, lose early enough where you can overcome it. Alabama amazingly lost their last game and overcame it. That almost never happens in, in the beauty contest. Oklahoma able, able to overcome the loss. Clemson overcame the loss and worked their way back up, and now they're number one in the playoff. Georgia losing a couple of weeks ago, able to overcome it. Of course, they got the chance in the SEC championship game to overcome it because without that win over Auburn, I don't think they're in um, on the merit just alone of a one-loss Georgia team without the SEC title. So if you're going to lose, lose earlier in the year. Don't lose late. That's always been part of the college mantra. So again, the matchups are set with Clemson and Auburn and Georgia and Oklahoma, and we got much more time to talk about that in the coming weeks and bowl games, etc. So we're not making any picks. Enjoy the Army-Navy game. Enjoy the uh, the Heisman Trophy. You and I are going to agree, if it's not Baker Mayfield in a landslide, we're both shocked on that. If it's anybody other than Baker Mayfield, right, on the Heisman for this weekend? Yeah, he's going to win it, yeah. Period. Put the name on the trophy on that. Uh, all right, so we're going to have some fun talking NFL. Kevin, stand by. We'll talk more with you about NFL predictions and prognostications and underdogs on Three Dog Thursday a little bit later on. Straight ahead, Shannon Spake will be here from Fox Sports. Love her, her insight on the sidelines for the NFL on Fox. Uh, we'll talk to her about this NFL season to this point. She's working the Houston 49ers game for this weekend. We'll talk to her coming up as we continue. Stay with us. Fantasy football fans, listen up. Something brand new is here. It's called FanPlayoff.com, and its president and CEO is Rusty Walker. Well, TJ, you know, win or lose, good or bad, your fantasy football season is about to be over with. But for us, the real season, the playoff season, is about to get started. You can now play postseason NFL fantasy football throughout the playoffs absolutely free at FanPlayoff.com. How does FanPlayoff.com work? Get your friends and fellow league members and join either a three, four, or five-team postseason league. Then draft your roster from the 12 NFL playoff teams, just like you do before the regular season. These players will remain on your roster as long as the teams stay alive in the playoffs. Set your lineup each week and score as many points as you can. Whoever scores the most fantasy points at the end of NFL's biggest game is your league champion. And one more time, why FanPlayoff.com? Every play of every postseason game means something, all the way until a champion is crowned. Sign up today, get ready to form your league, draft your team when the regular season ends, and have the most fun you've ever had watching the playoffs. Play free postseason fantasy football like never before at FanPlayoff.com. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Yeah, we do continue. It is the only digital radio show that's devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football and the NFL. It is Three Dog Thursday. And no, we do not have a lot of college football this weekend with the exception of Army-Navy before the bowl games begin. But... Uh, we do have a lot of NFL football. Let's call in our next guest because she's part of the broadcast team with Dick Stockton and Mark Schlerith and the NFL on Fox's coverage of the NFL every weekend, including 
a Houston Texans-San Francisco 49ers game. So someone is headed to the Lone Star State. Does she have her cowgirl boots? Does she have her hat? Does she have her six-shooter? I'm not sure. Here's Shannon Spake of Fox. Good to have you. I have all of those things, TJ, but I will not be packing them because I am a, a carry-on only, and I don't yes. think the, uh, the 10-gallon hat will be fitting in the, in the carry-on this weekend. Way to play along <laughs> I on the do have one, hat. I like though. that. Yeah, I yeah. do have one because – you know, I cover NASCAR and the Texas Motor Speedway. Yep. They actually give away one of those. I think it's a Charlie One Horse. A Charlie One Hat uh, is what they call it. And so I actually do have one of those. So you have those, <laughs> but do you have the boots to match? Because they oftentimes give boots at some of these uh, NASCAR events and those kind of things. We see you all the time on the Race Hub. The Race Hub on NASCAR's coverage on, on Fox and Fox Sports 1. You do an excellent job with that. So, yeah, I can I can understand. They already have you in the mode because you've been at the Texas Motor Speedway for the NASCAR playoffs. I didn't even think of that. Exactly. And I've actually been down to NRG Stadium. I did um, a bowl game there a couple of years ago, Texas Tech, LSU. So uh, I don't know if you know this, but I, I run stadium fairs everywhere uh-huh. I go every weekend. And I did run at NRG Stadium, and that place is massive. <laughs> uh, Atlanta was pretty big, uh, but, but NRG Stadium, it's pretty big. No doubt. We saw each other at Mercedes-Benz Stadium a couple of weeks ago for the NFL on Fox. Mm-hmm. You were doing uh, the Falcons and the Buccaneers uh, for that day. But you're right. Yeah, in Houston, of course, they've had the Super Bowl there uh, recently. And, uh, yeah, the broad, the radio booths now are up by Jesus, up in the top of NRG Stadium, <laughs> not not where the TV booth is. So, yeah, I can totally I can totally identify. Um, all right, so before we get to that specific game, a lot of people are trying to sort out the NFL season. Uh, we obviously saw the Eagles uh, get off to a great start. They were in Seattle the other night. They were beaten in Seattle. Just, just give me an assessment right now. We know the Patriots are good. We know the Steelers are good. The Eagles stand out. What, what stands out right now to you to this point in the NFL season as we head to, head to the stretch run here? I mean, it's interesting, right? Because I feel like there's some really, there's the Patriots and then there's kind of everybody else. And then there's some really, really, really bad teams. Um, I am interested to just see how the Philadelphia Eagles do. I mean, Carson Wentz, you got to think, you know, just as the season goes on, uh, you know, the length of the season and, and just everyone kind of getting worn down. Not everyone is Tom Brady. Not everyone is that offense that's done it year after year and plans to go straight through to the Super Bowl. So I think attrition is really starting to kind of fall in with a lot of these teams, and certainly we see that in terms of injuries every single weekend. But uh, I, I still think NFC South is, is, is the division. I think it's a really interesting matchup. I know that the Falcons lost this weekend, but I think, uh, you know, where you, where you see new, where New Orleans is, and I'm here in Carolina, I just I feel like um, that is an interesting um, division to watch right now. But I still think – I still have hope in Philadelphia. You know, I saw them – I think it was like week three or week four. And I think Carson Wentz is the real deal. I think he's extremely talented, poised, and um, I think I think that they could make a run. And I'm not giving up hope from Atlanta. You know, you and I were on the sideline for that yep. game. And I just I, – I, 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 this is my first year covering NFL. So this is my first year being on the sideline of the NFL game. And the athleticism and the accuracy and the skill level of these guys compared to what I saw in college for the last six years is incredible. And when you put Julio Jones and Matt Ryan together – there were some connections in that game that just, I mean, I, I just, I, I couldn't even, I think you and I were standing next to each other yep. at one point when Julio made a, a, a catch. And that's the first time I've seen him at ground level. And, and teacher, you, you and I could certainly um, <laughs> go, go toe to toe with anybody that we have the best seat in the house 
for some of those things to be able to see the athleticism firsthand. And, and I still, I'm still holding out hope for Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and Julio Jones does amazing things week in and week out at his size, his speed. Uh, I don't know if you've done a game. You want to know what's crazy, yeah, TJ, about that game? So I interviewed Julio after the game, and I and I happened to just mention Iron Bowl because the Iron Bowl was that weekend. And obviously Alabama uh, was his team and he, it, it like opened the floodgates and he started talking to me uh, about the iron bowl and about Saban. And so we were standing there and, you know, the, the PR guys like, you know, kind of like, all right, we, we got to go. So I start walking with Julio and I'm walking with him back towards the locker room. He's still talking and I'm realizing that he's not tired. <laughs> After <laughs> catching for 223 yards. And, yeah, No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. He was not tired. I'm thinking to myself, he could play another game. Like he, he is that. Like the athleticism is incredible. He, I mean, he's he's Julio. Well, and I don't know if you've done a game yet with Russell Wilson uh, of the Seahawks, but to see him at field level, and I, I've done that several times now, working with the Buccaneer games on the sidelines. He's got almost. It's almost extraterrestrial. It's almost like alien sense of, okay, there's a defender behind me who's about to kill me, so now I'm going to do a quick pirouette and get around him without being able to see him and go ahead and fire the ball off balance 40 yards to Doug Baldwin or Jimmy Graham. It's incredible to watch that at field level. So uh, I know the Seahawks are coming on strong, and uh, they're getting ready to play the Jaguars uh, this weekend. We have two interesting games where the Jaguars host the Seahawks and also the uh, the matchup with the Rams and the Eagles, where the Rams and the Jaguars are great examples. We just we think we know, but you don't know from one season to the next. They are suddenly good. They are suddenly playoff relevant. It's just what makes the NFL fun. You can suddenly become good, and Jacksonville and the LA Rams have. And you know that secondary for Jacksonville when when they get out there and Russell Wilson starts flinging that thing around. If they if they have any opportunistic. Uh, uh, bones in their body, they're really going to pounce on that. Because, I mean, if you look at what, you know, what Seattle has in terms of secondary, what they're known for in their secondary, I know the Jaguars are looking for respect on that level all season long. And so it'll certainly be tested against a guy like Russell Wilson. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, so back to the game that you're doing again as we talk with Shannon Spake here for a couple more minutes. It's Three Dog Thursday. She's gracious to give me some time. She already got the jog in. By the way, Shannon has twin boys just like I have twin girls. So the circus is in town every day uh, in the Spake household, in the Reeves household. It's all good. So uh, you're getting ready to head to Houston. San Francisco wins last week in Chicago. Can they win again in Houston? We're going to find out. What about Jimmy Garoppolo now as the quarterback? And I know you're diving into all of the highlights and the stats and all the stuff. The, the 49ers have some optimism right now. Should they have more optimism as this season winds down? They have a lot of optimism. And you know what I haven't, like in all the articles that I read today and yesterday, I, I, didn't, I, I haven't seen any article that says, well, let's see how he does this weekend. Everything is just so positive and optimistic. And I think maybe just because the season has beat that team down so much and those fans down so much. But I am going to be really interested to see what he does week two. Now, listen, he has been learning behind the best in the business. And I read an article where, you know, uh, the coaches over at, at the Patriots said that he was like a sponge. He would just sit back and just, and, and not only a sponge, but Tom Brady, he, he knew that if anything happened to him, he needed to have Garoppolo ready to go. So he needed to have him up to speed. And, and, and so, I mean, it, it is, I mean, shoot, we're going to get to see what he can do this weekend. We're going to get to see if it was a fluke, if, if he can go out there and perform at NRG Stadium. Now, unfortunately, the Texans are, Houston Texans are, 
are decimated in terms of injuries. I mean, they've just, they had a, a whole bunch of injuries this past weekend. I know there were a couple of concussions that, that, uh, that took those guys off the field. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how he does, because listen, I, my dad went to Eastern Illinois. My sister went to Eastern Illinois. <laughs> I have heard about Jimmy Garoppolo being an Eastern Illinois boy for years. He, I read that he still actually carries his college backpack around with him. You know, that's how connected he is. And, and, uh, so I, I would love to see him do well. Plus only in the, like you said, the underdog, this is a guy who has been second string to the best quarterback that we've seen ever. And he's had to sit there, but he's learned from him. And so I'll be interested to see what happens this weekend, as as I know most people will. Yeah, and that's going to be a matchup, an early game in Houston, a noon local time, one Eastern time game, San Francisco and Houston. This should be a lot of fun for the stretch run. This is this is where it gets really good. I know people have told you about this. You said this is your first year in the NFL because now almost every game somehow, some way has some kind of playoff bearing, especially when we get to the last two weeks, Shannon. Even if you're out of it, you're playing a division opponent that more than likely has something to play for in the division, playoff seating, something. This is when it gets really exciting in December. I'm excited about it, and I know uh, you're going to be excited to be doing these games down the stretch of the NFL season real quick. Absolutely. Yeah, th- unfortunately, this one, this, this upcoming weekend, does not have implications. But to see, to see this, maybe hopefully the future of this, uh, of this 49ers program, because I, I did do a 49ers game last year. It was actually Russell Wilson. It was the 49ers Seattle. Unfortunately, Russell was not Russell last year, right? We knew he was battling some injuries, and it was the end of the season, um, and, and it didn't really have anything on the line for those guys. Um, but, uh, you know, just to see what that 49ers program has gone through this season with all of the losses week after week after week. Yeah, I think that they're certainly hopeful. So um, this weekend's cool. Also, my last two uh, two out of the three weeks down in Miami, um, which I actually grew up in Fort Lauderdale, so to go down there and do a Dolphin game, it's it's kind of like a full circle thing. I got to interview Jason Taylor this weekend. You know, um, he got his. I know you laugh, but I was you know I growing up in Fort right. Lauderdale, I had I had two jerseys when I was growing up, either fifty four or ninety nine, and then right. that was it. And uh, so to be down there on the field level and to have him get his Hall of Fame ring and then walk off the field and, and I got to interview him about that, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, and we still have moments. We do this for a living, and you've done it at the highest level, obviously, for ESPN and for Fox, where you, you do contemplate for a second, holy crap, that's Julio Jones, like you said, or holy crap, I'm standing there talking to Jameis Winston or whoever it is uh, when you get the opportunity in some of these circles and situations. So I can appreciate that. Well, I think, that. you know what, age and, and getting older and, and being in the sport longer, I think you really can appreciate that. Yeah. When you're younger, you're like, you're like, okay, I have to, I have to pretend like, you know, I, I don't care. I have to pretend like, you know, I, I, this doesn't faze me. But then I think as you get older and you can really appreciate it. And, and you know, I, I mentioned to you before, is like I do these triathlons, so I do these 70.3 Ironmans. And so I know um, somewhat what it's like to train at a high level and to be in, in, in that zone and, and to be prepared. And, and like I say, from the, the athleticism standpoint, you know, I, um, I go to these big events and I see these athletes and I see how, um, how mentally focused they are and how physically prepared they are. And I see that at the NFL level as well. And you have to appreciate that uh, no matter what you're doing. No doubt about that. And I have in-laws that are huge Dolphin fans. They just always have been my <laughs> wife's family. And they still have posters of Zach Thomas, of Jason Taylor. So they're right there with you on that with the Dolphins. And the Dolphins, of course, have the Monday night game in New England for this weekend. It's going to be a big NFL weekend. Shannon Spake, again, will be part of the call. Dick Stockton, Mark Schlereth with Houston and San Francisco. She does a great job on Fox. You get a little NASCAR break here for like at least 15 minutes, right? And then they start back up for Daytona before we know it. And then you'll be back with NASCAR, right? 14 and a half. 14 and a 14 half and minutes. 14 and a half minutes. So yeah. We'll- 
Yeah, we had our banquet this past weekend out in Las Vegas. Martin Truex Jr., just an amazing, amazing story this year for him to go and win the championship. Well-deserved. And, um, yeah, we'll be in Daytona. It's like the first day of school. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we have a week off from NASCAR. When we get to Daytona, it is, uh, it, it is something special. It's so exciting. And I wasn't, I didn't cover the sport for about five years while I was doing, uh, college football and college basketball. But, uh, now being back in it, it's, it's pretty exciting. NASCAR has been very good to me and, and it's been something that I've done for a decade now. And, um, and, and this season was one of the most exciting with the stages. So definitely Daytona is right around the corner. It'll be a lot of fun with that, and again, a lot of fun for the stretch run of the NFL season. Catch Shannon Spake all over Fox and Fox Sports 1. Thank you for the time, young lady. I know you got to go get the boys from school, so we're good on the time frame on that. We appreciate you being with me here on Three Dog Thursday. Thank you. Thanks. Hopefully I'll see you before the end of the season. Hey, football fans, the postseason is here. And for the very best and in-your-face college-themed shirts, it's Smack Apparel and SmackApparel.com. Whether you root for defending champion Clemson, say Boomer Sooner, or the Auburn Tigers, hunker down with those hairy dogs. The Ohio State University on Wisconsin. The Canes are dynamite or roll tide roll or any of the other top teams. We've got hilarious shirts to get under your opponent's skin. And take 30% off your order at SmackApparel.com with the promo code CHAMP. That's right, throughout the football postseason, the promo code CHAMP is good for 30% off your entire order. Get as many shirts as you want. What will happen championship weekend? Who will be the final four teams standing in the college football playoff? One thing is for sure, you won't find a better way to let your opponent know how much you dislike them than with these shirts from SmackApparel.com. And Smack Apparel has plenty of great NFL-themed shirts for the upcoming postseason, too. Whether it's for you, your relatives, or your fellow fans, stock up and save big with the promo code CHAMP. Again, that's 30% off at SmackApparel.com with the promo code CHAMP. Talking the talk with SmackApparel.com. Who are this week's top dogs in pro and college football? We are back on Three Dog Thursday. As we do roll on one more time, back in with me is Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com. Again, uh, our thanks there to Shannon Spake talking some little NFL wisdom. Uh, we didn't get specifically into underdogs with her. Now we're going to do that in the National Football League here with the latest week. We get, we get ready now for the 13th week of the NFL season. Four regular season games remain for everybody, Kevin, just as a general uh, comment, we said this at the top of the show, seven different teams can clinch a playoff spot for this weekend. So things really, uh, I mean, from here on out, as I was saying to Shannon, really the last two weekends, almost every game has bearing on the playoffs. Even if you're out of it, you can mess it up for somebody else. But really, seven teams this week can get into the playoff situation by winning. So it starts getting good now in December. General comment about the NFL. Now we pay more attention, right? Yeah, and you know what? In, in the NFC especially, I think we know the AFC is a two a two horse race with the Patriots and the Steelers. But when you look at the NFC, the one thing I like is down the stretch we're seeing a lot of these teams in contention. I mean, even if you want to go one through eight, are all playing each other. You know, we saw the Eagles and the Seahawks last week, the Vikings and the Falcons. We've seen the Saints, Rams, Rams, Vikings. That you're getting a lot of these matchups that aren't even divisional matchups. That's just working out that they're all playing each other, so it's helping with tiebreakers. And you're getting true tiebreakers in a sense that you have two teams at 11-5, and five, well, Team A beat Team B, so they're going to get the home game or they're going to get the bye or whatever it is. So that's actually a good thing that, you know, we're not seeing 
two teams at 14 and two, and then a bunch of 10 and six teams that at least a lot of these teams are pretty even and they're, and they're kind of having many playoff games right now. Yeah. And so again, uh, for a lot of these teams, uh, it will come down to the final two games on whether they get in or get or, or not. And in a lot of cases, those are going to be division head to head matchups. So we're anxious to see that. Uh, with all of that being said, I was able to get the Seahawks last Sunday night on Three Dog Thursday, part of my two-for-three week. Uh, Kevin's going to try to bounce back this week. You had the Colts a week ago against the Jaguars, and the Jags took care of business. So lots of conversation about lots of NFL games to get to. Where do you want to begin for Three Dog Thursday purposes in pro football, Kevin Rogers? Well, because they fletched it, we might as well go to it. The Cowboys and the Giants from <laughs> MetLife Stadium. This was the Joe Buck Troy Aikman game, I'm sure, when the season began, but uh, that's not the case now. It's not Fox's game of the week. They got moved to one o'clock. But, you know, with the, the entire mess that the Giants have been recently and this season, and Ben McAdoo getting fired and sitting Eli against the Raiders, and now Eli's coming back, and I heard the point, I think Peter King maybe made the point, so I'll give him credit, that they had to fire McAdoo at this point, considering they had three of the final four games at home, and at least you could salvage this. You're playing the Cowboys, you bring Eli back, and who knows what's going to happen to the future with him, but at least, not the, not, you're not going to the playoffs, but at least you have a chance to make the season end on a, on a higher note that the Cowboys, remember, lost to the Giants twice last year. The Cowboys beat the Giants in the season opener this year in Dallas. Again, Ezekiel Elliott played in that game. He's towards the end of the suspension right now. Dallas is coming off three consecutive home games. They finally got over the hump by beating Washington last Thursday. They've been a good road favorite team, but the last time they were on the road, they got blasted by Atlanta a few weeks ago. For the Giants... I, yes, disastrous season. I understand that. They beat the Chiefs at home. They played well against the Chargers at home earlier this season. I just think that this is a Giants team that I think they'll get it together. I think McAdoo totally just destroyed that locker room. Now he's out. Spagnuolo is the is the new uh, interim coach, and he's been there for a while. I think that they, they muster it together this week, play well. Even if they don't win, I think they cover. Well, and again, they, they go back to Eli Manning. And here's my point on that. I know you're taking the Giants for this week uh, as the underdog. I, I just, I, for the life of me, what was the plan last week? Because Geno Smith was a draft pick of the Jets. He washed out there. You've had him as a backup. He's not the future of the New York. Kevin, am I missing something? He's not the future of the Giants. Now, if you were doing this because you had, let's say, a number one pick sitting behind him, somebody like Goff or like Wentz, or a, you had something seriously invested in a high draft pick, and I'm not talking about Davis Webb, who was uh, inactive last week and is their young quarterback. I mean, it would have made more sense if you were doing this and Davis Webb was getting the start. It, it almost is like we're not being told the full thing. Did McAdoo and Eli Manning have some kind of falling out, and he was doing this out of spite or something like that? That's a New York soap opera angle that we haven't heard. It just it did not make any sense last week, and the owners, the, the uh, you know the Mara family uh, and and Tish, they they saw this from a distance and said, okay, we're going to sacrifice the coach and the GM because we were going to do it anyway at the end of the season. You can't embarrass Eli Manning like this. Go lose the game. Try to sell us that Geno Smith is the quarterback that should be here. We're going to go ahead and fire you. Do you have one more thought on that? I, I don't understand why he had to go to the bench for what that was behind him. It never really made any sense and never got explained. 
No, and you know what? I don't know if there was a personal thing there. I felt like there were a lot of guys that were in trouble with McAdoo this year. It just was very, you know, you have a lot of these, these NFL coaches, you know, there's a handful of them that they just totally wash out, and you wonder, why is this guy even a head coach? You know, how does this guy even get an opportunity? And he makes Tom Coughlin look like a nice guy, I mean, with, with all the stuff that was, <laughs> you, you want know. the irony real what, quick? The irony is that Eli yeah. was advocating for McAdoo because he was the play caller and, and ran the offense, and he was advocating for McAdoo privately, uh, maybe even a little bit publicly a year and a half ago when they were trying to figure out who the coach would be, or almost two years ago now. And the, and the irony is that guy turns on him and ends up benching him and, and basically saying, we got to play other guys besides you, just didn't. Didn't make any sense on that point. And you're going to go with the Giants to rebound at home. I like the thinking on that against the Cowboys, and you get the four-and-a-half points. I'm going to stick with uh, the NFC East here, and I'm going to go Philadelphia Eagles on the road against the Rams. The Eagles off the tough loss to Seattle on Sunday night, but, boy, they had a lot of missed opportunities in the red zone. The Carson Wentz fumble at the goal line in the first half. They had another opportunity in the red zone where they lost the ball on downs later in the second half trying to make the comeback. Um, Carson Wentz, very talented. That stopped their win streak that they've been rolling on. And look, I, I like the fact, I know the Rams have been good. The Rams are at home here. They're, they're obviously the darlings right now of the NFC. A shocking turnaround season for them. But the Eagles have been good as a road underdog here. They've been a, they've only been an underdog three times this season, all of them on the road. They lost the first game against Kansas City and did not cover, but the last two as a road underdog, they not only covered, they won the game outright. Give me Philadelphia at the Coliseum. I think they're the better team than the Rams in this instance. I'm going to go Eagles with the two and a half to win the game here in the Coliseum against the Rams, Kevin Rogers, for three dog Thursday purposes. Yeah, it's been a good game. I mean, the uh, you know the Eagles coming off that loss to Seattle last week, and we'll see if they uh, they bounce back. And you know, with the Rams, I just kind of feel like at times I don't know which team I'm getting. And you know, we saw them lose a right home to Seattle. They've lost at home to Washington. They lost at Minnesota. They have a lot of wins against subpar competition. Yes, they beat the Saints at home. But I don't really know how many great wins the Rams have. They've made a lot of strides this year. I know they have. Jared Goff has, and and under Sean McVay, they've done a lot of very good things. But again, I don't know if the Rams are up in if they're in that upper class of the NFC yet, or if they're still just a really sure. good team that's turning the corner. Well, they definitely uh, right now lead in the West, and they're battling Seattle. And we'll talk more about the Seahawks in a little bit. But uh, that's that's going to be a fun one to watch. Where do you want to go second on Three Dog Thursday besides the Giants? Who are you liking next? Well, the second uh, game in L.A. on Friday, or on Friday, on Sunday, rather, excuse me, uh, between the Redskins and the Chargers. I mean, side note, you hope both these games get in with all the, the fires and everything going true. out in Yes, at the time we're Angeles, talking, so. yeah, at the time we're talking, those fires have canceled the Rams' practice for Wednesday, apparently, uh, and the L.A. Chargers uh, also are, are, are wondering if they can get their practices in, and both of them scheduled to host games this weekend. You're absolutely right. Continue on. Go ahead. Yeah, and uh, and just on on, that, on another note that you know, yes, you want everybody to be safe and all that stuff, but it's just football so tough to move things. You know, this isn't baseball or basketball where it's easier to schedule it later in the season. You know, time. I don't know what they would do. Would, I mean, it'd be ironic to move the game to San Diego to <laughs> right to put. Oh, San Diego can can house us, but anyway. So the Redskins play the Chargers in Los Angeles, presumably on Sunday, and Washington's coming off this blowout loss to Dallas last week, and they were listed a short favorite. Dallas have been struggling. And 
Washington now is back in the underdog role on the road, which I do like them in. And when you look back at it this year, I mentioned earlier, they beat the Rams already. They should have beaten New Orleans. They were right there with the Chiefs and lost at the end. They won at Seattle. They have a lot of very, they've played a very tough schedule so far on the road this year. When you look at the Chargers in that three horse race atop the AFC West, all at six and six, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Chiefs, and Oakland plays Kansas City on Sunday. The Chiefs have spun out of control, and Oakland's kind of come back to life a little bit. But when you look at this Charger team, we know they have like no home field advantage. And they barely beat the Browns last week. Excellent defensively. We know what Phillip Rivers brings, but I just think they're getting some value with Washington that they've just played this tough road schedule. And after getting wiped out by Dallas last week, I was like taking teams that after they just look bad because they can only play better. You know, if you get squeezed in the game, you, you know, you're still feeling bad about yourself. You don't feel bad about it. You get blown out. You just move on, you know? So I think Washington is a good look on Sunday at LA. Well, and they are one of those teams right now on the fringe of the NFC wildcard picture of the Redskins trying to win a game here. And as you mentioned, San Diego, or not San Diego, uh, the LA Chargers, a move from San Diego. And a lot of people had written this team off at the beginning of the year with some losses. The Chargers are playing great football late in the year. So that's going to be a fantastic matchup. Uh, again, we'll see what the NFL does with the games as the weekend progresses. I always use this disclaimer, Kevin. You know that, that you may be listening to us on the weekend and you already know if the game got moved. If it had to go to San Diego, they, they've moved games. Remember the Chargers, they had wildfires before, and the Chargers had to move a home game, I believe, with the Dolphins to Phoenix uh, because of wildfires. And they, they've had that uh, in certain situations in Northern California in the past with having to potentially move games. So let's see what they do with the two L.A. games this weekend that are supposed to be scheduled. You and I both like the NFC East underdogs, the Eagles and the Skins in that. I'm going to go NFC West with another underdog, and I'm going back to the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, I know that defense is banged up. Yes, I know they're going all the way cross-country uh, to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, in this case, but I mean, Russell Wilson is just fantastic. Kevin, I'll, I'll let you have a comment on this, too. Uh, just a magician with his feet, with the touch on the ball, uh, at times almost unsackable. Almost on top, uh, you, you're almost going to have to be on top of him with two guys from each direction to have any chance to sack him, uh, being able to get away. They, they have a host of different guys that have tried to run the ball. It doesn't matter. Uh, he still finds success on moving the ball and scoring. Yes, their defense is banged up, but it was good against the Eagles the other night. I know they have to go cross-country, but Pete Carroll's team may be the best in the NFL the last three or four years that they come across country to the Eastern time zone and still win the game. Uh, I know Jacksonville has had a good year. This is arguably the best team the Jaguars are going to play down the stretch of the season before they play Tennessee in the final game because their next two are with Houston and the 49ers. I like Seattle to win the game outright. I'll take the two and a half points in Jacksonville in what will be a very competitive game, but I like Seattle as the road team uh, in that one. What about Russell Wilson, just getting away from the rush and the, and the phenomenal plays he makes, almost playground-type football on his own? Yeah, the way I like to describe Russell Wilson, he's not fast, but he's elusive. That He's just somebody that you cannot tackle. That I mean, you look back at that Arizona game on the Thursday night a few weeks ago where he was scrambling around and, and he was able to make that throw down the sidelines for about 40 yards, that he just finds ways to just get away. I mean, he's not going to outrun you, but you just can't tackle him, you know, if, if you understand that. But yeah. also another thing, too, that, that Seattle has in their in their favor, this game got flexed to 425, so you don't have that 1 o'clock kickoff in Jacksonville, so it kind of helped them out a little bit. That Cowboys-Giants game got moved up to 1 o'clock from a 425 game, and the Seattle-Jacksonville game got pushed back, so that can only help the Seahawks. 
Well, and the Jaguars give them credit. That defense is nasty. They lead the NFL in sacks. They've allowed the fewest points in the NFL this season. They are not a joke at 8-4. and four. I just think Seattle will better is better. And, you know, we were talking with Shannon Spake about this, about being down there at field level and watching Julio Jones and watching these guys uh, every week. I still remember this play as if it was yesterday. I worked a Buccaneers-Seahawks game field level in Seattle, and, and Russell Wilson during a comeback. The Bucks led the game at 21 nothing. Uh, before Seattle came rallying back to win the game. There was a part of the rally in the in the third quarter. They were facing a third and long. Buccaneers are chasing Russell Wilson. He rolled to his left towards the sideline. So you've got the ideal thing. He's rolling against his body, and you're thinking, you've got him trapped. It's third and long. Kevin, he planted on his left foot, threw against his body, and threw an absolute bullet about 30 yards. It whistled right by me, right down to Doug Baldwin, down at about the 10-yard line, who made a diving catch going out of bounds. And I looked back at Russell Wilson, and I looked at Baldwin, and I looked back at Russell Wilson, I looked back at what, and I, for a half second, I went, how did he make that throw? How does he make, I mean, I know the Rodgers throw in the playoff game with the Cowboys last year is like, that's the rolling to the left away from your body throw of all time. This may have been the second best throw of all time that I've seen against your body. He's just incredible throwing the ball on the run, on the move, with touch on the ball. So I just thought I would share that story. I saw it with my own eyes. I can testify from field level on what this guy can do. So I will take the Seahawks in that one. All right, that leaves one underdog for you, one underdog for me. I think we're going to end up agreeing here. Where are you going one last time on Three Dog Thursday, Kevin? Well, I'll go with the Carolina Panthers at home against the Minnesota Vikings, and the Vikings continue to win. Case Keenum, you know, is like the second coming of every great Viking quarterback you can go back to. You know, <laughs> Warren Moon and Randall Cunningham and Fran Tarkenton and Sean Salisbury and all of them. I thought you were going to go Tony Kramer and Wade Wilson and a few of those, too. I, I, You know what? There's just this long line of guys, I mean, that you can go to, but uh, – you know, it turns out that this case Keenum has played very well and no Dalvin Cook. I mean, you forget he's almost on that team, you know, with that torn ACL. And Teddy Bridgewater, you know, still got to wait because Case Keenum's playing well. But anyway, Minnesota's coming off that win at Atlanta last week and the defense is great. Carolina is now back at home after losing to New Orleans for the second time. And for Carolina, they're four and one ATS this year as an underdog. So Granted, that one loss came to the Saints last week, but they, they've been a very good home team, and I think that Carolina can catch them. I think it was last year early on that uh, Carolina was just manhandled by Minnesota at home, and they were laying six or so, and this time around, you're getting three points. So you're getting uh, some points now with them. I think after Carolina just fell behind in New Orleans last week, kind of hit the reset button, Minnesota's got to head back to the southeast again. I think that Carolina can catch here. Well, and they were very impressive in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in that win. Uh, you mentioned that loss last week to the Saints as the underdog that didn't get the cover, but before that, victory over Atlanta as an underdog at home uh, in that situation. Also, victory earlier in this year at the Patriots as an underdog. Uh, they also beat the Lions as an underdog, a two-point underdog earlier in the season. I know for whatever it's worth, that's three wins as an underdog. I think Cam Newton and company know they need this win. If they have any chance of catching the Saints, which they probably don't, they lost the two head-to-head matchups with the Saints, so they don't have the tiebreaker, but if they have any chance to catch them, they have to keep winning. I think they will win in this instance and stop the Minnesota Vikings here. 
and get the victory. And I agree with you on Three Dog Thursday for underdog number three. So should be a, a fascinating weekend with all these different games. As, as we mentioned, uh, the Eagles in L.A. Uh, in that matchup. I mentioned Seattle coming cross-country with Jacksonville, who had that as an important game for the Jaguars uh, coming when this season began. Uh, several other ones uh, of note, including Eli back in for the Giants. The Patriots without Gronkowski will play the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football. So all those games coming on the NFL slate. Uh, Kevin, as always, uh, we're now into December. The college season mostly put to bed until the bowl games. NFL season heating up and much more as well. They can find out all about it with great information at Vegas Insider. Tell us more, sir. Four more weeks left of the NFL season before we hit the playoffs. And now, since we know all the bowl matchups in college, we're starting to put together our bowl central pages, which are very uh, popular. It has history, line movements, all that stuff. You can look back at all the different bowls throughout the years to see who played in the Cure Bowl, who played in the Gasparilla (laughs) Bowl, which I know you'll be at probably at Tampa. And uh, all these other things, but uh, we have that going Idaho on. Also. Potato Bowl, the Poinsettia Bowl, the Weed Whacker, Poulan Weed Whacker Bowl, all those bowls, right? Yeah. Yeah, all of them. So you can check them all out. The brand new Frisco Bowl, which, uh, which makes its debut this year. So all of that uh, you can check out. And obviously, the basketball is uh, heating up now with the NBA, college basketball getting through the final two weeks or so of non conference before we hit conference play right after Christmas. So that's uh, always a fun time if you like college basketball. So we got all of that. You can check us out on VegasInsider.com. Also on Twitter at SwiftVI. And check out Kevin Rogers at VI Rogers. Always love the insight uh, from him. You can follow this show as well at 3 Dog Thursday to find out much more. Give us some underdog predictions yourselves. Uh, on this let's go over them again uh kevin likes the new york giants with eli manning back getting the points at home i like the eagles as a road underdog in the game that is scheduled to be at the coliseum on sunday uh, getting two and a half in that one kevin goes with the redskins also in la against the chargers at the StubHub center i'll take seattle as the underdog in the nfl against the Jaguars, and you and I agree, Panthers as the underdog at home with the Minnesota Vikings. So those will be our underdogs uh, for this week. Uh, Kevin, uh, had another fun time with another another great show here. We'll be talking bowl games next week, a bevy of bowl games the following weekend. So on next week's show, lots of bowl games, lots of NFL football. Can't wait to talk more underdogs with you next week, sir. Absolutely, TJ. Thank you very much. There is Kevin Rogers. My thanks also to Shannon Spake of Fox Sports. Check her out as part of the coverage of that upcoming Houston Texans-San Francisco 49ers game uh, on Fox. We thank you for being with us. Enjoy all the football this weekend. Enjoy the Heisman Trophy, the most famous individual trophy in sports being given out this weekend. We both thank Kevin and I that Baker Mayfield wins it going away. Shouldn't be much drama there. Enjoy all the games, and we'll come back next week to talk more bowl games, more NFL, more underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye. Hey, this is Bobby Sue Doyle-Hazard, host of the brand new podcast, Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast truly focused on women in the sports world. It is for young women who are looking to get into the sports industry and women who are already in their careers, also looking to make a change. I want to put a spotlight on the amazing women that we have in sports now, and hopefully we can all learn a little something. I'm so excited to bring this to you. Please make sure to subscribe to my podcast, Leveling the Playing Field, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and with my guys at RadioInfluence.com.